Good morning. Wednesday, December 3rd, 2020. Michigan Part 2. So we talked about the first set of hearings in front of the state senate. Last night, Tuesday night, they appeared in front of the state house, and it got pretty heavy. It was interesting. There was some excellent testimony. There was some, I believe, some missed opportunities that I don't think matter in the long run if these court cases go where they should go, where some of them will go, I believe. But how you how you share your story in a hearing does matter, not just the information. And you might know to whom I'm referring, and we'll talk about it, because I, I feel like there's just way too much cheerleading going on. And I've talked about this before. We have plenty of energy. So if there's a checklist that we prepare for what we need to do to reelect Donald Trump and to take back what was stolen from us in this election, you can put at top of the checklist energy or are we fired up? Yes, check. We can move on now. We've got that. Now we got to start landing these punches. We got to start knocking them down. And, and the hearings are a step towards that. But in the next couple of days, we're going to see what the court thinks. When I mean the court, I mean courts all over the country in these battleground states are going to share rulings, right? Share opinions, whether they dismiss, whether they rule in favor of the plaintiff, us, in these cases, that's that's what matters. I, I really think over and above even these legislatures, we need the courts. We need the Supreme Court with Pennsylvania. We need the Michigan Supreme Court. And we need Arizona to take a case. We need the Nevada case that's going. We need the Wisconsin case that's going. We need the 11th Appeals Court in Georgia to go. That's what we need. And we'll talk a little bit about why we need that over some of the things that I think the Trump legal team is pushing for in parallel, right? They're obviously committed to these cases, but they're really clearly trying to lobby the Republicans in these state legislatures to not certify, to not send electors, or even better, send Trump electors, which is a tremendous ask. And so, you know, here we are, right? And why are we here? Why are we in this fight, right? Well, they stole from us, right? They stole the election. How come they did it so easy and why is it dragging, especially in Georgia? You look at Georgia, you think, what is the deal? I mean, we've got pretty friendly situations there, right? In the governor's mansion, Republican. Secretary of State, Republican. We've got a Republican legislature. Yet they haven't really done anything in response to all of these allegations. And, you know, if the allegations aren't true, give them their chance in open court do an audit, do something to confirm that they're not true, right? If you're afraid of, of them being true, if you're afraid of being exposed, and I think that's part of this. Another part is we're here because of Republican ass kissers afraid to being called racist. That's why we're here. And we've been in many situations like this because these guys and gals, these people are afraid to be called racist. The moment you give in to that fear, you give control to people like Stacey Abrams or like Barack Obama, who built his entire first term on anyone who disagrees with me is racist. Did he say it? No. But plenty of his sycophants in the media did. And that is tremendous power if you give that to somebody. If you let them label you at all is giving them power. If you let them label you or threaten to publicly label you a racist and you allow yourself to be afraid of that, and to be vulnerable to that, you will lose big at some point after giving them that power, and we are seeing it now. 
you start digging into the agreements the Republicans in these state houses made with people like Stacey Abrams, the governors who allowed these compromises, then I know these people knew was a huge win. When I say these people, I mean Democrats, activists, hardcore leftist radicals like Stacey Abrams, like AOC. These types are everywhere. You saw one of them last night in the Michigan hearing, C.A. Johnson, a representative from Detroit. Totally obnoxious, but totally protected. What's she going to say if you attack her? We know what she's going to say. Racist. And that's a fear that she dangles out in front every time she speaks. I'm sure she does it quite often. She tried to imply one of the witnesses, the canvasser, was racist last night. It's what they do. So guys like Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia, gave into this, were afraid of being defeated in their next election as a racist, being defeated by someone like Stacey Abrams, who allegedly came close. I'm saying that now that we know they cheat their asses off in these states. And so she got a lot done. After Brian Kemp was sworn in, Stacey Abrams is why, and the people that operate for her are why we're here today, because the mail-in ballots were ignored. They, you know, the, the Republicans agreed to this all over the country because of the vote suppression argument, which is a racist argument, right? You're a racist. You're suppressing the vote. Hell, what is the, what vote is suppressed when the media doesn't report anything about the guy we're trying to defeat, right? What vote is suppressed, mine, when you're reporting states like Texas early as going blue? You're making it look like they're going blue. And then before the polls close in my state, you're declaring Arizona for Joe Biden. That suppressed votes. That was the media suppression and their coordination with getting Trump out. They don't care, just like the Democrats and the people that were stupid enough to vote for an old man who can't play with his dog without breaking his foot. No one voted for him. They voted against Trump. Millions did, no matter how much they cheated. Probably 70, 72 million marked Joe Biden. And of course, if you're sitting in California or Nevada and you're seeing Texas might be blue as Fox declared, of course, they said a couple times, hey, it's because the mail-in ballots are counted early. They start coming in right when the polls open. Well, if you know that's a factor, you know it's unlikely that the state is going to hold or you can't call it as blue or red yet, then leave it gray. I mean, just leave it. Quit quit being so obvious. And so, but again, we can't say that. And if we try to do what we're doing, we try to find illegal ballots, God forbid, in an urban blue mega voting machine, we're racist. And this was the fear Brian Kemp had when he allowed Democrats to strong arm him into signing changes, right? Signing on to laws and Republicans in the House of Georgia, these state legislatures go along with this crap and they're getting burned for it. And we're all getting burned because of their cowardice, because of the woke cancel culture that's clubbing them over the head anytime they want to enforce a law or write a law that protects our legal vote. So thanks, guys. We're in this fight. We're up against it. The odds are against us because of these vanilla, milk toast, yogurt-spined sons of bitches. And so we're fighting in these hearings. You saw in Michigan last night, the Republicans did a decent job. I wasn't really moved by their responses and questions. When I say the Republicans, you know, we need guys like Mastriano or Lucido, who is Michigan. He was the night before Tuesday. Now, Lucido's the guy that's in the state Senate. So you got the two different houses in Michigan holding two separate hearings, and they allowed Republicans and Democrats, which I think is a good thing. 
right? I've, if a witness is afraid to be cross-examined or cross-questioned because this wasn't a court hearing, then that witness is not going to go into open court. And although they've sworn on a written affidavit, they're not going to raise their right hand and tell their story in a real courtroom under oath if they can't do it in a hearing environment, only having to really answer one question per representative. So Michigan kicks off, and there are a lot of people attesting to the same thing, different witnesses. So Rudy and the team did a great job. They're building that story in Michigan. We know it was ripe with fraud. We've been hearing about these affidavits for weeks, and there are now people, faces, and voices that go along and align with it, which is very important. And again, we heard shocking stories. We heard horrible mistreatment towards Republicans. We heard blatant cheating accounts going on on the floor where the votes are counted involving Dominion systems and, of course, in the shipping area. And then, of course, this mysterious Chicago location where ballots are allegedly being either produced or shipped around. Who knows? You heard about duplicate ballots, right? Um, You heard about people running multiple ballots through the machine, right? The same ones. So the same ballot multiple times. It's a joke. And, And so we'll start with my favorite witness. Not that I want to pick favorites, but is a woman from India named Jessie Jacobs. And this poor woman did not want to be there, or at least not want to have to go through what she went through. And I think she is the most brave based on the fact it's clear that she was scared. Anyone watching could tell by her voice, by her body language, she was afraid of retribution. She was nervous and uncomfortable. But when she warmed up and Rudy had to help her kind of parse the details because she was sharing a lot of things that weren't really germane to what Rudy wanted to demonstrate, but that's okay. I think sometimes that makes the witness better. It's her story. And she talked about being mistreated, horribly treated. She said elections are unfair in her country, India. What she saw that night when she worked, for the first time she's worked in a poll center or a counting center, sorry, but she's worked on elections and volunteered and been a proud servant of the city of Detroit, her words, for 34 years. And so she recounts very detailed training she was given to cheat by her supervisor. And I love that she named names. She didn't like doing it, but it's important. Real people are going to be held accountable here. And it's their turn to respond. If she's lying, you sign an affidavit, you swear under oath, and say the truth then, your truth. Tell it. Why wouldn't you? Well, of course you wouldn't because your lying ass doesn't want to go to jail for signing a sworn affidavit. Jesse Jacobs did. Right, Jesse Jacobs signed that sworn affidavit and shared what that affidavit reads last night in Michigan. And it was incredible because uh, she was still attacked, right? And, and, and the worst attack of the evening, I believe, was brought by Representative C.A. I hate everybody, Johnson. Um, and, and it was gross. And so Jesse went through all the details of how she was trained to backdate, how she was trained and taught ahead of the election to not count or not verify signatures. And she knows the rules. This woman, a proud immigrant who has worked hard with her husband, who is raising doctors in her family, knows the rules are important. And as an immigrant who is incredibly proud, she couldn't have said it more. I mean, she must have said it 20 times how proud of this country she is, probably more so than I am. I don't have a lot of pride right now in what we stand for. She does. Good for her. She's a better person than I am. And she loves being here. And it crushed her to see what went on in that TCF Detroit massive counting center. It was across the board. Everybody she could see, everybody she worked with 
was cheating. And when she called it out, she was bullied, she was harassed, she was kicked off, told to take a two-hour lunch. She came back, kept offering to help, even went to one of the top people in the room, a state representative offering help. And the woman, everybody knew, you know word spread, stay away from the Indian lady. She's calling us out. And they don't like that, right? People who don't think they should be ever accountable to anything, that think they're entitled, I don't know, dare I say, by maybe the way they look, right? Because they're flexing that woke racism card all over the, all over town, all of their lives. They don't like it when somebody like Jesse Jacobs calls them out for cheating, for not following the rules, for not doing what is right. Because really, these people have lived in protection for a long time. Because if we're all racist, then there's nothing we can say that could ever be right, even if we're pointing out egregious wrongs that they are committing. Well, good for Jesse for doing it. She fought her ass off that night. She could only do so much. None, none of us could have done anything because they were kicking out Republicans left and right. And she was beaten into submission. And of course, that wasn't enough, right? The beating from the true racists, right? The African-Americans that were there, the other white people that were there, those were the racists, right? And you hear about it all night. And there was one other witness that called it out, which was incredibly brave because you're not allowed to say that white people are treated in a racist fashion. You're not allowed to believe that, just so you know. Well, I'll say it right now, it happens. There are people who are treated differently because of the color of their skin. It's happened since time immemorial. And white people, Asian people, Mexican people, regardless of your color, you can be treated in a racist way, okay? Quantitatively, is it the same? No. As someone who's African-American, if you take a large sample, probably not, okay? But doesn't mean it doesn't happen, and it doesn't mean you don't have a right to complain about it. And so C.A. Johnson, who, I mean, people were so angry about how she treated the witnesses. I mean, she would berate people. It was really odd, and she was out of order. The, the head of the hearing, had to, you know, the Republican, had to slam the gavel multiple times. He was trying to be polite. But Johnson did the worst thing to Jesse, and this was how Johnson introduced herself for the night as a true piece of trash human being. And she asked Jesse to spell her name. What's your name? Spell it. What's your maiden name? Now, for those of you who know what doxing is, you know that's exactly what she was doing because she didn't do it with anybody else. And Jesse had the longest stretch of testimony of the night, and she was hammering away in her own manner, in her quiet, somewhat intimidated, somewhat timid, but also very brave at the same time. In her way, she was crushing the Democrats. And even, even Johnson did try to scream out, that's my city, and tried to interrupt her, and she was gaveled away. But when Johnson had her chance to ask a question, she didn't ask anything about what Jesse said or didn't say. She asked for Jesse's name in a very intimidating, horrifying way. It was obvious what she was doing. She was not only doxing her out loud, but she was also making sure Jesse knew that I'm getting your name because I'm coming after you. And that set the tone for the night. And I know the other witnesses saw this because she was followed by some real firework uh, bringers, man. I mean, it was it was definitely a fight. And C.A. Johnson threw it down. Rudy uh, sat there. You know, Jenna Ellis was there too. They sat there quietly. It had to be hard because the, the rules were such that Rudy could only, you know, once in a while clarify something for the witness for the, the person bringing testimony, it was really all about them, which it should be, right? And there was another Camilleri, another Democrat, who in his super beta, 
uh, well-groomed fashion was uh, really disgusting and insinuating that Jesse and other witnesses were lying because a judge had thrown out their testimony, which is patently false. Uh, the judges hadn't even looked at the affidavits. The judge that threw out the case in Michigan had seen an early motion and really is doing the bidding of the left, just like the Pennsylvania Supreme Court does. And so Rudy made a clarification. Um, Camillary didn't want to hear it. That was kind of how he opened all the witnesses is basically like, well, if you're telling the truth, why did a judge throw it out? It was very talking point. He talked about 38 of 39 cases that Giuliani lost. They've only brought three. And really no judge has ever heard testimony or seen the affidavits or heard an argument yet of the specific allegations. That hasn't happened yet. It actually happens today in Nevada for the first time in front of a judge. Evidence is being presented in an actual hearing, not a pretrial motion, um, not a petition. And so this 39 losses involves all these crazy quick cases, Some of them, most of them that really didn't have the organization, the merit, or the funding to win anything. And so, yeah, they've been thrown out. They didn't come from the Trump legal team. And so Rudy was right. But so this went on all night, Johnson attacking people. You saw some great testimony from an IT company owner, also Indian, female, um, who talked about how she saw mail-in balance in numbered sequence. And first you think, what does that mean? Meaning supposedly gathered mail-in ballots that were sent out and dispersed, they're all numbered. They were brought to the counting center to be tabulated and run through the machines, and they were in numbered order. I think that's one of the most obvious and most groundbreaking findings and really pieces of testimony yet. Because, you know, unfortunately, she can't prove it. Like a lot of these things, she can't prove it beyond going under oath and saying it because these cheating bastards knew exactly what to do after they ran the votes. They mix everything in. They get rid of the envelopes. They cover their tracks as far as the physical evidence. We got to get some of that. That has to be seen in some open court cases. I don't exactly know what physical evidence is being presented in Nevada. But we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, so I thought the second best witness was when the two were together. She so had the IT company owner, the female from India, who was very detailed, very professional, answered questions excellent, talked about how if she's lying, and she was called out as a liar by C.A. Johnson. She That was when she really broke. C.A. Johnson snapped. And with the two, the young man and young woman, testifying together. The, the young man was also an IT expert from what I understand, but he was there as a poll watcher looking specifically at duplicate ballots. He saw basically ballots being counted twice all night and, and had good detail discussing it. That's when C.A. Johnson snapped out of order, called them liars, and he said it like six times. And uh, uh, the young woman whose name was incredibly difficult to even try to say, and I hate doing it wrong. Uh, even the rep one of the representatives of Republicans questioning her struggled with it. It was, it was a very lighthearted moment, actually. It was nice. And, uh, you know, this, this gal battled C.A. Johnson, gave some great responses because it really wasn't a question, but she was allowed to respond. That was good. Now, unfortunately, what I think one of the strongest on paper affidavits um, was not well represented last night. And, and this is the cheerleading that goes on and blinds us and can blind us to the actual results. And that was the IT contractor who was contracted to work for Dominion on election night as an IT consultant. So she can't touch anything, but she's there essentially to advise uh, the poll workers on how to operate the Dominion system and how to fix and troubleshoot any problems. It was very clear from her testimony and many others that the training provided by Dominion was poor. 
to say the least. And so this made it very difficult for anyone contracted to be Dominion's support the night of the election and consequent, you know, and, and um, you know, the following days to actually fix problems because they can't touch it. So they got to walk people through verbally, right? Probably with hand motions, you know, like a, like a mad Italian trying to help them figure out jammed ballots, right? And what buttons to push and how to, how to fix it and what to do. The, the um, IT contractor is a blonde woman, right? She stands out, attractive glasses. Um, I mean, really, say, I mean, it was really interesting to see some of these. Let's be real. Some of the uh, witnesses uh, were, I think, saved to close out Michigan for obvious reasons. I'll, that's, I'll leave it at that. But unfortunately, this contractor, as she moved through, this is the blonde lady, her testimony, she just kind of showed her partisan colors more than she should. Obviously, all of these people, or most of them, not all of them, but a good number of them are Republicans and big Trump supporters. That goes without saying. The way they give their testimony, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you can go overboard. She definitely did. Um, she got a little belligerent when she was questioned. I understand she's upset. And, and it helped her that she shared her story that she has essentially been ruined professionally, that she cannot get a job, that she's been attacked, that she's been um, ridiculed, that her family's been threatened. She's had to move. So she's gone all, through a lot, and you could tell by her manner, by her responses, that it's really upset her. It's unfortunate because it takes away from what she shared. I mean, she went into extreme detail about how these people cheated with the machines, and you need to watch it. If you haven't, you'll understand why I'm a little critical of her delivery. But that's, in the end, okay. Her affidavit, as she reminded C.A. Johnson and Camilleri, um, that you know she has sworn and written it down. And she asked them, "Have you?" And then she said, "Has you know Joe Biden has it?" I mean, she got a little, she got her own little talking points in too. We could do without that. It's not like she's trying to convince a jury. So if someone was turned off, that's okay. Her testimony matters, and it was damning. Uh, you had a number of people. I, I I was least impressed with the last witness, who is a brave individual and is the canvasser that um, wanted to pull her certification in Wayne County. We heard a lot about her last week. She, her numbers, the stuff she was talking about, I think she totaled it at like 500 votes. It, it just didn't have impact. I felt like she was not really prepared to verbalize the fraud she was concerned with. She was very middle of the road and I think looked a bit intimidated. She kept having to pull her mask up, which was a distraction. And so I just, you know, this is what happens with witnesses. You work with anybody in law enforcement. You just don't know how it's going to go. You prep them as best you can. Bottom line, they did what they needed to do in Michigan. Is it going to change anybody's mind who matters, meaning these representatives? My gut, based on some of the final questions, including the one from a, a guy that was very concerned I think his name was Lefebvre. He asked, Rudy, what do you want us to do? Is your ask, and this is always a good thing to clarify. What is your ask, right? What do you want us to do? And the ask shared by Lefebvre is, do you want us to give Donald Trump the 16 electoral votes from Michigan? And Rudy's answers were excellent. So it was a great way to close out. He said, no, I don't want you. The Constitution dictates what you need to do. And he kept coming back to that. He has to do that. And that's great. It isn't about thoughts or feelings. It's about doing what's right regardless of what happens after that. And he put a lot of pressure on these guys with what he said, because I felt like most of the Republicans there 
We're gathering information for a future solution, which I am not the least bit interested in, and millions of people on Team MAGA as well are not interested in some legislation that these career politicians are going to pass next year to supposedly fix a problem. They've been having problems with elections in all of these states for decades and passing legislation and fixing things supposedly. This is where it has us. And so my concern is we don't have Michigan legislatively doing anything with these with these hearings. I don't think the ball was moved. I don't think these guys are going to get the votes or the support to even pass a resolution to establish the state legislation's power to assign electors, like what is happening in Arizona. They're calling for that. Like what Mastriano is trying to do if he can get them back in session in Pennsylvania. I don't see Michigan calling for that on the floor. I just didn't get that feeling last night. We'll see. Everything's pretty quiet after that. Bottom line, we do have something good in Michigan. If we have to pick the state where they're going to chicken out in the legislature, I'd take Michigan, and here's why. I've talked about the uh, Michigan Supreme Court giving clear guidance to Trump's team that they want to see the, the evidence in a separate case. They did this uh, a week and a half ago. It was, before, well, not quite. It was a couple days before Thanksgiving uh, that they wanted to the case to be brought to them again in a separate uh, trial because they really couldn't do anything with the Michigan certification. That was the ask at the time, and it had already been done. The good news today, today's a pretty big legal day for Trump's team. Michigan's trial hearing looking at that evidence per guidance from the Michigan Supreme Court starts. And there is a provision in the Michigan Constitution that an actual hand audit can be requested. It's built into it. It's the law. That is the ask per the lawyer this morning in an interview who's bringing that case in Michigan. They are bringing the evidence, everything we heard and more. We got binders full of it, not full of women like Mitt Romney said, but full of evidence. Binders stacked uh, with evidence to bring to this trial attorney. It's not a huge ask, right? You're asking to say, hey, we're taking all of this sworn testimony and we want to see the physical evidence. I love it. I think that's what you got to do. It's precisely what they're doing in Wisconsin, right? They have actually picked through their audit 150,000 in this first lawsuit, 150,000 votes to challenge. They don't need that many. They just need 20,000 plus for Wisconsin to go Trump. I think if you can tell already, this is the way it has to go. We've played with this for a couple of weeks. We've seen some positive things. We got excited when Mastriano got Pennsylvania's legislature to be open and Republicans were supporting the resolution. And then boom, it falls on our head because the, uh, the chicken, you know, Republican, uh, what was his name? Cutler, uh, the guy that has to call an emergency session, he won't do it. Or he's not going to do it so far. Now he's going to feel more pressure. Hopefully he does. But I think... The court cases, how we we were thinking in the beginning, I think that's how it's going to go. I think we got to have some judges that have the guts, one, to take the case and actually rule in favor of the plaintiff, in favor of us. Um, some positive things coming from these legal uh, hearings are happening. If you remember, Arizona had a judge that ordered a sample audit. Well, the sample was a lot smaller than I thought it would be. It was a sample of 100. It's better than nothing. Well, they found... 3%, Trump said, so I'm assuming with my incredible math that three ballots were found to be illegal out of 100. 3% is huge if that reproduces across further audits, which it was enough for the judge to support a deeper 
higher volume audit of Arizona mail-in ballots. That's great news, right? So you're building that case now with physical evidence. You're saying, hey, we found three out of 100 that were trash, totally illegal. Okay, you found three in the sample. That's concerning if that were to hold across all of the mail-in ballots, the hundreds of thousands in Arizona, go get more. Well, we hope that the percentage goes up, right? We hope it's at least the same because 3% is big. You want to see now what we, what's been accused is bad physical ballots, right? Bad mail-in ballots, bad registrations. Um, they call it vote by mail there that is way off board, doesn't match a registration, right? Or is somebody who didn't vote. All of these things are part of what they're looking for. And so that's ongoing in Michigan. Nevada has their public hearings tomorrow, just like we've had in Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Michigan. So you're gonna hear testimony from people in a public hearing, similar to what we've had in these other states. It will be interesting. I'm not sure exactly how Nevada breaks down party line, but I know it's not as Republican as far as the legislature as these other states have been. What's great about Nevada, I think this is even better, at the same time, well, actually today, they have started the case challenging 40,000 illegal ballots. Most of them, are, from what I understand, are what's called a duplicate, right? So you've got all these ballots that could have been counted twice. You're going to find that the majority, if not all of them, are for Joe Biden. This is the first uh, case that has a Trump legal team attorney, right? Who's They're good. These guys are solid. Actually presenting evidence in a hearing, right? In court, in front of a judge, arguing it. It's the first time. So all this losses, we've been, this is it. This is a big one. That's happening today, right? And so now we go back to Georgia. Georgia is very concerning. Georgia has, the evidence keeps mounting. You've got 50,000 illegal votes now found by a private data firm in Georgia. Essentially, 50,000 people in Georgia moved from one county to another, right? Since their last time voting. So those 50,000 people didn't re-register in their new address in the new county. Though state law says if you don't register at your new address in the new county, your vote is illegal. You cannot vote at all. Well, what they did is they voted in their previous county, the county they no longer reside in. So think about it. You have 50,000 people voting for county supervisors, for county measures, right? For local officials in a county they no longer reside in. That's wrong. My gut is, though, there's still votes and it's the state of Georgia. It's still a presidential vote. I don't know how this even breaks down. I mean, you know what? I'm going to say it now. Even if they favor Trump, these 50,000, they should throw them out, right? But these judges seem to not want to throw out votes that are deemed illegal per, I would say, you know, um, like small rule disqualifications, right? Address changes or writing in the wrong date. You know, they if they believe the person legally voted otherwise, and I understand this a little bit, they're afraid of the disenfranchisement label and they're afraid to throw those votes out. But there are consequences to doing things wrong, not just fraudulent. And if those 50,000 didn't register in their new county and the law says they're, they're not supposed to vote, well, they actually voted illegally. And we're not going to go round them up, but their vote shouldn't count. And I'm saying that if 40,000 of them for Trump, I don't want to be like the other guys because they're all liars. I mean, they're all inconsistent and they're hypocrites, just like their leaders, the governors and mayors. We heard about another one today. Um, guys, it, 
It wasn't Iowa. I'm drawing. I'm forgetting. It was another one who was at his country club. Now, here's the thing. Lots of Republican leaders are probably going and eating at restaurants and doing their thing, but they're not passing laws to tell you that you can't. That's the difference. So when these dumbasses on the other side, well, everybody's doing it. Yeah, maybe everybody's doing it, but our side is not passing draconian regulations to tell you that you can't do what they're doing. So it's way worse than the act. They're hypocrites, just like they always are. They, they all talk, used to talk about how they're all for the homeless, but you, you have someone homeless in their Bel Air neighborhood, they're calling the police, which is a whole nother level of irony. So that's happening. And so they're hypocrites about all this stuff. They don't care about anyone's right to vote. They don't want you to have a plan, as Kamala said, which again, I don't know what tactical plan is required to go vote. I mean, what, what weapons you bring, if you have protection, can you just ride your bike? I don't know what plan, again, is required. Uber, bus, walk, God forbid. I know COVID's out there lurking in the, in the shadows, but walk with a mask if you want to be one of those dimwits outside. So, you know, again, they don't care. They don't, they only care if they win. So I'm sure they'll be the ones, if they hear about the 50,000 illegal votes because of county registration, they'll want to know who it favors. That's the first question they will ask. Don't be like them. Let's be consistent because they never are, right? They never, they'll never complain about a problem if the change doesn't help their side, right? They were the ones before this election, Senator Warren, Senator Klobuchar, hardcore Democrats, both Democrat presidential candidates, were hammering away and begging for investigations and audits of Dominion specifically and voting machines that could be hacked. It happened and they're quiet. They don't care. They got what they want. They're the enemy, right? And right now we're losing to them because we have spineless, feckless Republicans who are afraid of being labeled racist, who have agreed to play by their rules. And in this election, it is crushing us. And again, let's be real. It's still a long shot, especially because now it looks like we're going to need courts to rule in our favor. We have the timing probably. And you know, things can change if a Wisconsin or Michigan throws out illegal ballots per a judge's orders, per a court order, the moment that happens, everything becomes a little bit easier for a state legislature to grow a pair and do what they're supposed to do constitutionally. That's what matters. Whether we are right or wrong, or regardless of what we want, the Constitution matters over everything. And it's so clear. And that's why here it is, you know, it's it's 9.45 a.m. Pacific time, and I still haven't seen anything. And I, I got to keep an eye. I'm always looking, right, as I, as I grow this and, and get better, as I'm always looking for an update while I'm, while I'm publishing because it <laughs> never fails, right? As soon as I hit that button and upload to you guys, something big happens moments or was happening towards the end. As of right now, 9.45 a.m. Pacific time, the... U.S. Supreme Court has not agreed or district has not ruled on whether they're going to take the case from Pennsylvania, right? Representative Kelly and Parnell essentially, rightfully, calling out universal mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania unconstitutional. My hope, because Sam Alito is over that jurisdiction, he's over Pennsylvania, is he is able to convince his colleagues, the other eight, that this is a case that is critical to the future of this country, to future elections, that they have to take it 
and they have to issue some kind of remedy. Pray for that one. That's big. Just them taking the case is going to be a shockwave, and it's going to empower Republicans in places where we need them to grow a backbone and step up like Doug Mastriano has, like Arizona has, right? There's an, there, I've mentioned him before, but his name is Mark Fincham. And Monday, he issued a call to withhold the state's electoral college votes for Joe Biden because, quote, he believes there's enough significant evidence of fraud to invalidate the state's votes. Well, baby, we got to prove it. And it doesn't hurt when the highest court in the land starts going in the direction that another massive state like Pennsylvania also had an unconstitutional election. That's the mojo we need. And I think it's possible. How it ends up next week, before December 14th, we don't know. It's getting short. It's getting close. That's okay. I do believe in the people we have running the show. Sometimes they say things I don't like. Lynn Wood, <laughs> I've been angry with him recently because he says things that I just go, gosh, that is so over the top. But I remember a guy years ago who angered me a few times because he was over the top and I was applying an old political paradigm to him, and that would be Donald J. Trump. And Lynn Wood has a little Trump in him. He likes, he likes rallies. We, we could see that yesterday. They had one. I thought it was going to be a press conference with him and Sidney Powell. It was a rally. And they are trying to accomplish something. They've got to get Kemp, the governor, to call that legislature into session for an emergency. And they need a forensic hand ballot audit in Georgia, and they need it now. And so the rally is pressure. They need to get put pressure. But the lock him up, lock him her up stuff, you know, here you go. I mean, Lynn, I think, got over his skis and talked about what he needs from Brian Kemp. And then after he gets it, Let's send him to jail. That's not the most persuasive way to get me to do anything for you. It's like, hey, I need you to do this. And if you do this, blank. I would like you to fill the blank in with something beneficial for me. Locking me up in jail is not going to drive me to strike a bargain with you. It's not going to make me go, oh, okay, I, I think I should do that. I think that's the opposite, and I don't think that's really going to help. And I worry sometimes about Lynn Wood's long-term motives because he sure gained notoriety. I only knew him from the Nick Sandman uh, MAGA hat case, you know, the guy that was attacked by a radical left-wing operative, and they were set up, and he got paid. Good old Nick is, is set for life. Love it. And the people we love, CNN, I think it was ABC, a number of them got, and they had to settle. We'll never know how much. That's pretty standard because of non-disclosure agreements, but it was a lot. Linwood got paid on that too, and he deserved it because he took that case bravely. You're reading stuff about Linwood that some of it's not true, it's not fair. He's put a lot into this, and he gets fired up. Give him some grace on it, and I, I think he can win something, right? We, we got a battle on multiple fronts here. They don't all have to win all the time. Each of them got to win once in a while. It's got to build, and we got to come over the wall with this. So with that, it's still early in the day. Um, if, if I see anything that can't wait until tomorrow, I'll do an update tonight. Keep your, keep your hopes up. Keep the faith. God bless. Thanks for listening in, and we will talk to you soon. Take care.